We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. Today's video is brought to you by storyboardthat.com. Please visit teachercast.net slash storyboardthat for a limited time offer. Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Principal Cast Podcast, hosted by Teresa Stagger, Jessica Johnson, and myself, Spike Cook. Principal Cast is a weekly roundtable discussion about current topics in education leadership. For more information, please visit us at www.principalcast.com. Our topic for tonight is preparing for ISTE with the infamous Aaron Klein. Aaron is a teacher, author, parent who's earned her master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and currently teaches second grade. She's pre previously taught first, sixth, and seventh grade. In addition to that, she's the chairperson of the Michigan Reading Association, a national A-plus workshop presenter, smart technologies exemplary educator, really good stuff, monthly blogger, edutopia guest blogger, edudemic guest blogger, and magazine contributor. Uh, she is involved also with uh, Scholastic International Magazine and has co-authored Amazing Grades with experts from 13 countries around the world. 
let's welcome Aaron Klein to our show. Hey, Aaron, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thank you so much, Spike, for having me. I'm excited to talk about ISTE. It's uh, pretty close, actually. Not too long. It's um, a really great conference, though. That's awesome. And um, I think, is this a first, Teresa, uh, that we have two educators on the show tonight from Michigan? It is. We've <laughs> had, I think we've had two uh, New Jersey educators. We've had New York. We've had Wisconsin. But this is, uh, this is a first, so I'm very happy. I know. We've been waiting for this, Aaron, because <laughs> Teresa, you know, has always been talking about McCall and all the great things that are going up in Michigan. And uh, so you, you're definitely going to be complimenting all that tonight. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yes, Michigan has a tremendous amount of wonderful things going on. So McCall, if you've not been, um, it's definitely just like FETC, you know, all the great conferences. McCall is one to put on your list. It's amazing. That's awesome. So uh, the first thing that we do uh, every week is we try to just catch up with each other. So we just kind of recap the week and you know, I think I feel like I'm the only one that's left in school. Uh, but Teresa, what's been going on in your world now that you're out of school? We <laughs> now that we're out of school, uh, this is our second week out of school, third uh, going on the third week, I think. So we are uh, starting my summer learning program this week. So starting tomorrow, I'll be sending out some things for the students to be doing some uh, different different things to enhance the curriculum and and kind of lose that summer learning lapse that we have. Uh, my husband and I just got back from Traverse City this weekend, so we were up there, and apparently the MASSP, the Michigan Association of Secondary School Principals um, conference starts tomorrow up there, so I will not be up there for that, but we go up with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law every year, so it was a good time, and now we're back, and we have the kids, and uh, it's a that's it. It's summer. We're starting vacation Bible school for the kids tomorrow at my home parish. So we'll be heading out to Sterling Heights. And uh, that's about it. What about you, Spike? Well, I, I don't know. You're throwing out all these Michigan, you know, landmarks and stuff like that. I just, I really feel like I, I'm, I'm out Trevor of City is like up here. Oh, okay. Now we're going to, are we going to do the hand? Are we going to do the hand tonight? We're going to do the hand. Erin, where do you live? <laughs> um, I'm Bloomfield Hills area. Okay, so can you show us like, where that is? Can you show me the, where that is? Uh, Teresa, how about you do it? I always screw up the hand. I show the it's wrong. Like, I'm not from Michigan. So. Like here-ish, maybe closer yeah. to here. Yeah, so Close this is what we do in Michigan because you we have a hand, and then the map looks like a hand. <laughs> so it's like a it's, a it's a map. We can use this. Right. And the Upper Peninsula looks like this a little bit. So if you're from the Upper Peninsula, you can do this. But Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, you know what we do in New Jersey? We talk about the turnpike. So, like, what exit oh. are you on the turnpike? Oh, but what if people don't know where their turnpike is? It goes right through the middle of the state from, like, all the way down to all the way up. Oh, okay. And, and New Jersey's not a very wide state, so well. <laughs> you, you, can, you can pretty much access anything from the turnpike. So, At any point when you're in the state of New Jersey, how far are you from the ocean? Like, probably, what is the furthest you could be? The furthest would be probably about an hour and a half if you're, like, in the western part of northern New Jersey. But most is, is like, literally, like, 50 minutes an hour. Well, there you go. So There you go. And so, Erin, where are you originally from? If you're not from Michigan, where are you from? Um, I actually grew up in Louisiana. I moved oh. around a lot. So um, I was born in the Philippines, 
then moved to the UP of Michigan, actually, in Calumet, um, mm -hmm. then down to Biloxi, Mississippi, and then I lived um, all over in Louisiana, then to Alabama, and then now up to Michigan. So in Michigan, I lived in uh, Lansing, and then, um, well, East Lansing, actually, for Michigan State, and yes. then I was in the Ann Arbor area, Dundee, so where the Cabela's is, that's what everybody knows. That's very <laughs> close to where I live right now. <laughs> and now I'm in the Bloomfield Hills area. Very good. I was wondering where the accent came from because that's, <laughs> that's not a Michigan accent. But it's just a slight one though, but it's that's cool. Very cool. And how did you end up in Michigan then? Um, I actually came with my family when my dad switched jobs. I decided to come. We're a very close family and I didn't want to be that far. So I just transferred to Michigan State. Very cool. My husband graduated from Michigan State, so he'd be thrilled to hear that tonight. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> and Aaron, great. what's I mean, going on with you? Yeah. I know it's cool. We have Michigan people cool. flying. <laughs> I know it's just um, like we're chatting. Um, it's great. <laughs> uh, for me, what's going on? Well, my daughter, Riley, she starts camp tomorrow, so that's pretty exciting. They do. Um, it's actually through her school. They do a really fun summer camp. She'll do archery and canoeing and all of that, so she's pretty excited. And um, my son and I are going to a girlfriend of mine. She's having us over to go swim. Um, she's Here's a Michigan plug for her. She's a fantastic award-winning author. Her name is Maria Desmundi. Um, if you've ever heard of Pink Tierra Cookies for Three or Spaghetti and a Hot Dog Bun or the Potato Chip Champ, she's written all of those. They are great for character education. If you're especially a K-4 teacher, those are must-have books for the classroom. Um, but we're going to go. She's just a dear friend of mine, so we're going to go swimming over there while Riley's at camp. And... Um, yeah, this past weekend, it was lovely. I got to go visit uh, with a, a former student of mine. We went to the movies. We went out to lunch. So really just kind of enjoying the summer. Um, I met with a girlfriend of mine this weekend, too. We're redesigning my whole classroom again. Oh, nice. Project. So um, her and I are actually putting our heads together to redesign the entire space from top to bottom again. I'll have an interactive projector, a smart board, um, some other technology in the classroom, but really we're going to look at um, targeting it more towards more of a brain-friendly learning environment. Um, so even though I got rid of the desks this year, including teacher desk, we're um, doing the an entire overhaul of color schemes in the classroom. Um, every single bulletin board will be redone. This year is more of the structural changes, um, and then this summer for next year will be more of the aesthetics in the room. We're really excited about that. In fact, um, I think it was two weeks ago we had Dwight Carter on and we talked about learning spaces. So um, yeah. when he mentioned you, and I think we talked about you during during the podcast as somebody who you know does a great job of you know blogging about you know all the different um, you know iterations of your classroom, and I and it's it's just awesome. So I, I'm so excited, and I'm sure you'll be documenting that as you kind of flip your classroom around um, this summer. Yeah, we've got a. We've actually hired a professional photographer to come in and start documenting everything for us because I really want. I think it's so important for teachers to realize that it's not about cute, um, but it is about comfort. And the space is really supposed to be designed for the children because they're going to be the predominant users of the environment. So really keeping them in mind and um, and getting the student voice involved in what they want in the classroom. Um, even looking at research. That the Montessori programs have put out, you know, everything developmentally appropriate at their level, depending upon the age group. Um, my background is originally interior design, so really been taking uh, a look okay. at um, the ergonomics of the space and the furniture and the functionality of it and how it's going to function best for the um, needs in the classroom. 
for um, the type of learning styles that the individual teacher has, for instructional methodology and delivery and the curriculum, and really looking at even like where the outlets are, where um, the type of lighting in the room, bringing in part of nature for the environment, a lot of the human environment design components. So a lot of research going into it um, for this summer. So it'll be pretty exciting. That is really cool. Yeah, we're we're super excited. You got to make sure that you, you know, document document. You know, because I think um, what we're finding in a lot of the classrooms today is that so we've we've you know we've integrated technology. We're doing a lot of great things, and then you look at the the classroom design, and it's still pretty much the same as it was 15, 20, 30, and in some schools 50 years ago. You know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that, that's, so Aaron, that's awesome. There's a question in the chat room right now about um, how do you go about asking your principal to completely redesign your classroom and how do you tell your principal that you want to get rid of all the desks and this is like a completely, I mean, what does that conversation look like? You know, for me, the conversation started as uh, there was um, a really tight space for the room. So just the sheer size of my room was a problem. With the number of students that I had, the space that was available, the desks were just cumbersome. And for me, navigating around to help individual students and then for them to be able to move and function in small group, um, it was pretty impossible. So we were just stationary all the time. And the kids were, I mean, these are seven and eight-year-olds um, just being asked to sit for hours upon a time in their seat until we switch to a special. And, you know, providing the research speaks volumes, even talking about, you know, how often children should transition, how movement plays a factor in learning. And there was no way that my children could get up behind their seats and even do a brain break. It just wasn't possible. So I think the first step was small and just saying, hey, I think I'd like to get rid of my personal teaching desk just to provide more um, floor space in the room. And I think that when teachers are willing to give up something of theirs, it really catches the attention of the administrators. So um, he was really supportive and said, okay, well, that's that's fine. So what else do you envision for the space? And I told him that I think it would be better. Um, you know, I, you've got to start small because um, originally if I would have just said that I want to be completely radical and if I would have told him my complete vision that I truly had and where I'm going, um, I think that I would have been rejected um, just because it is so different than what is current. But if I said, hey, I want to make a small step in transition from desks to tables, that's something everybody can kind of live with. Sure. Um, but this year, I'm actually getting rid of some of the tables too. <laughs> but, you know, it's baby steps it's each year. So start small and figure out what's most important to you and what you think that you'll get um, a yes to. It's always how do you get to yes for me. So kind of thinking backwards about what's most important and how are you going to get there. Um, and knowing your principal or your administrative team and what's important to them. And I know um, our headmaster is really focused on student-centered learning. So as soon as I provided some of the research and how students learn best, he was really willing to listen. That, that sort of speaks to, uh, last week we had Bob Dylan on. He, he mentioned you, of course. And uh, I love how he said that when he got hired for his recent position as a director of innovation or something along those lines, um, he was basically brought in to develop a culture of yes. You know, and and it's things like that. So I mean, I think that's a good question coming from the chat room. Is like, you know, how do you broach that subject? Um, because I look at it as as the principal. If somebody came to me with a great idea, um, 
you know, you, you definitely give it a green light, you know, and you and you try to, to do some new things that are going to be good for kids. So that's awesome. Thank you. Well, I think Aaron, that. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Spike. <laughs> Aaron, how do you feel like your interior design background helps you with with designing your classroom? It doesn't. I just like to say that. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Like, wait a minute, it's got to have some sort of help. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, we studied a lot with um, how line, how, I'm sorry, my daughter's phone is here and the alarm's going off. Um, she fits right in. <laughs> Usually yeah. we're screaming in the background and the <laughs> phone's going crazy and it's fine. Thank you. Um, you know, with the interior design background, it really just, um, we studied a lot of how, um, line and space and proportion can really affect an environment. So even just thinking about the the lines in the room, um, the proportion proportions were huge, especially when you're designing for an elementary space. Just really all the different design elements in color was huge as well. Um, different colors affect people in different ways. There's a lot of research on it, um, and thinking about, I think too really thinking about um, form and function and how that is going to play a role for such a, a young learner because I think so often we design for ourselves because when we're in the space, I mean even thinking of something as simple as hanging a picture on the wall, we'll do it at our eye level, but then when you think if a child's going to be looking at something, do we really need the bulletin boards to be five feet off the ground or where truly should they be? Um, they actually should be much lower. Um, if you're doing a K2 classroom. So really thinking about um, the individuals that are going to be using the space, that's huge for me. Um, so I think with the interior design background, really just learning about the why and the how, um, and then you can get to the what to do. But understanding why things are done the way they are, there really are a lot of reasons for it. And you can tell when you walk into a space, whether it's you know how it makes you feel, if things are asymmetrically balanced or if they, everything's symmetrical. And for different learners, you just kind of have to know your class. So I think being able to have a flexible learning environment is, is huge as well. So my classroom will never be the same every year. It, it depends on the kids that are going to be using the space. Well, I... Aaron, I don't think we're getting out of your classroom just yet. The chat room is going crazy. <laughs> They're going crazy. With They're going ideas nice. Ideas and questions and stuff like that. So, Aaron, do you? We're not on the trip. Do you have up, <laughs> yeah. Do you, Do you have up the the group chat that we have going on on the side? Um, yeah, I do. Looking at it now. Okay. So we're we're throwing out. I I will put them in there as we're going. But um, there are a ton of questions that are happening. So Craig Yan is asking, have you have others changed their learning spaces at your school? They have actually, and the, I think the biggest compliment this year. Um, you know, we all love our administrators, and our administrators are great, and they love their teachers. But I think so often as teachers, you always wonder, oh my gosh, do they really appreciate me? Do they like what I'm doing in the classroom? And you always kind of have that wonder in the back of your head, like they only stopped in two or three times this year, and do they really know what I'm doing? And so the biggest compliment I got this year was actually an unspoken one, and it was when I had two different teachers who were moving to different classrooms, and they both approached me um, weeks apart. And each one of them, um, I don't think that they would bother me saying their name, they would mind, but one was Michelle and one was Kristen. And Michelle came to me and said, hey, Keith told me to come and see you about redesigning my classroom space, and he really wants your input on kind of how I should design it. And he said that he's going to help support the budget for that. 
I was just blown away. I was like, oh my gosh, that means he's, he's likes what I'm doing in my classroom. It's, I think the biggest compliment is whenever someone admires what you're doing and they want to model more environments after that. So, and then um, the same thing happened with another colleague as well. So that was really exciting. So absolutely, other teachers are starting to transform their learning spaces as well. Um, there are a lot of teachers going without desks now, um, and not just because it's the trendy, cool thing to do, and we're going to jump on the bandwagon, but actually because um, of the research provided and because um, when you just survey students, especially some of the students in our building, if you notice how many children are even just observation, it's common sense. How many kids are rocking back in their chairs? How many hit the backs of their heads? And yeah. ask the kid, just talk to them, say, hey, are you comfortable? <laughs> Nine times out of ten, they're going to say no. <laughs> so I think just kind of what, where do you see kids spread out learning and enjoying um, in an academic setting? And for me, I love walking into a Starbucks or a Panera or even like a Barnes and Noble, and you always see kids like laying down with their mom who's in her stilettos, you know, and they're spread out over Barnes and Noble floor, and they've right. got their, you know, nice purse, but mom is in her dress outfit from work, and she's laying on the floor in the middle of Barnes and Noble. I mean, you would never see that anywhere, but they've got the greatest picture book, and they're cuddled up with a stuffed animal, and they're just reading, and the children, that's engagement. So how can we model our classrooms after that? Um, and especially if you're doing like a reading and writing workshop model, oh my gosh, why not? Get rid of the desk, bring in some bean bags. And if you're worried about lice, bring in leather ones. Like there's right. so many <laughs> options and choices that you can do. It's just fantastic um, whenever you start looking around and observing the natural environments. And even with older children, I'm often asked about secondary education. And every single time, it never fails, and I'm not exaggerating, that I walk into a Panera, I see at least one student with a mentor who's tutoring them at Panera, mm -hmm. and whether they have a laptop out or flashcards, old school index cards or anything, there's always a student there who's tutoring, and they have food out, they've got their, you know, a chair pulled over with their feet kicked up on it, I mean, they're just, they're comfortable, they're hanging out and they're talking academics, it doesn't get better than that. That's a great point, and you know, I think that does validate some of the people who have taken some chances, you mm -hmm. know, and, and done some, uh, some you know, getting rid of the student desks and things like that, and um, we I've definitely seen that um, beginning at, at my school. I think last year, uh, at the end of the year, we th we recycled a, a, like at least four or five teacher desks. The year before, there was four or five. You know, they really they really seemed to go away. And then um, even one of the one of the cheaper ideas, and this was this is what something we did for fifth grade. Um, is they wanted to get away from just doing the regular desks, but uh, the teacher wanted to to give it a year and then also see how the feasibility was. So we just ordered the the like the regular you know like banquet tables, you know like uh, you know like that three and three could sit at, because he wanted to see how it worked in the space because you could move them around a lot and then of course you can just push them down and put them into the closet if you wanted to you know create more space. It was great until we had to do standardized assessments and then we had to bring the desk back in, but I think as we move forward with that, uh, with more of the online testing, um, I think you still will be able to have that, um, definitely have that opportunity to, to recreate your, your classrooms, and it doesn't have to cost, uh, because somebody in the chat room had asked, I think it was Craig Yen, like, where do you get the funding for that, Aaron, uh, and how much does this cost? 
for me this year, um, just getting rid of the teacher desk was free. I shoved it out the door. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the same thing. Um, the tables, I wrote a grant through our school. Um, each year we have opportunities um, from different um, donors for to apply for grants. And I just applied for one through my school. And the money I asked for, I think, was twelve or fourteen hundred. So while it might seem like a big chunk of change, um, I think you really get your return on investment. Um, and quite frankly, I don't think it's too much. The tables were relatively affordable, and I actually had um, bulletin boards in with that expense, along with tables and a breakfast nook and bookshelves. So it wasn't just tables. Um, I found that because my space was so small, um, instead of getting the large bookshelves, I asked for um, a DVD shelf because if you teach um, second, third, fourth grade, you don't really need tons and tons of bookshelves for the big picture books because your children might be reading more chapter books and DVD shelves or DVD cases actually hold those much easier and you can pick those up at like Best Buy or something for like 90 bucks. So those are really affordable. And then um, I had a corner nook space that was really awkward and didn't really fit anything, but I wanted to utilize it to maximize seating. So from, I, I did a lot of just Googling, honestly, um, for different uh, arrangements for seating. And it actually happened because when we moved, personally, for my family, our, our kitchen is extremely small in the new house. And uh, we couldn't use our current table. So I started looking for breakfast tables for my family. And I found this, this breakfast nook. And I said, oh, my gosh, that would be perfect for my classroom. And my husband's like, stay focused. We're looking for the house. <laughs> but I, uh, I found the perfect breakfast nook um, just from Google Images. And I started searching for more affordable ones. And I found one. Uh, Walmart had one online. And it was, I think, like $230 or something. And it was just super affordable. So I added that to the list as well. So I got a breakfast nook, I got two tables, I got a bulletin board, I got a DVD shelf bookcase that holds tons and tons of packed picture books, or chapter books, sorry. Um, and I, all that was for like $1,200. That's cool. That's, see, I would I would do that and I'd spend more too because I, I do think investing in, in new furniture and, and new learning spaces is important for the school. Um, you want to move to, to Jersey, Erin? Hey, hey. <laughs> no less there. <laughs> hey. No, actually this like, summer it didn't. That's why I'm still heck? in that's why we're still in school. So um, That's right. Aaron, stay here where believe it or not, even though we have, we have to extend the school year, we still get out earlier than Spike. Yeah. Aaron does great up there. So well let's let's get on that that flight and let's go down to Atlanta. We're gonna talk about ISTE. Um, awesome. So, Aaron, tell us a little bit about um, ISTE this year. Well, actually, you know, tell for for those who may be new to uh, to, to becoming connected and, and one of the the big conferences is ISTE. Can you tell uh, everybody a little bit about like what your experience has been about and uh, regarding ISTE and and what you've gotten out of it? What brings you back? Um, certainly what brings me back is 100% the people. It's definitely the connections that you make on Twitter and then getting to see those people um, in real life and getting to ask them deeper questions, have more um, in-length conversations. 
but um, the sessions are wonderful too. I love even the keynotes that they bring in are always great. Um, being able to socialize in the open spaces, for example, like the blogger cafes or um, even in the evenings, there are a lot of social events that you can really become friends with people. Truly, some of my absolute best friends have come from meeting up with people at, at ISD at the conferences and then going out to dinner afterwards and really just talking about pedagogy over dinner. And, you know, I can't really do that all the time where, where I am. I've got a set number of people in my own building and district. And um, some of my other friends, they don't like hearing about me teaching all the time. But when you, when you go out with people at, at ISTE, it's wonderful because everyone is so involved and interested in talking about education and what everyone's doing in the classroom. And you really get to learn a lot. So it's definitely the people that bring me back. Um, each year has been a different experience for me. My first year, if you're an ISTE newbie, and you know this will be year three for me, so I still consider myself to be an ISTE newbie. My first year, um, I brought my husband along with me because um, I was nervous and I didn't want to do it alone. So I did bring him along, and he's um, very active on Twitter, but only through my account. He's like a lurker of my account. <laughs> so he's like, oh my gosh, Erin, look, there's Shannon Miller, there's Adam Beller, there's Kyle Faith. <laughs> So he was recognizing them before before I did, and I was like, oh, my goodness. So, of course, um, I am a very shy person. Um, I am, and I did not want to approach, you know, I don't I don't think I've ever even told Kyle Pace this story, but it was the first ISD that we were at, and, and I saw him, and my husband's like, you need to go talk to him. You talk to him all the time on Twitter. So, so I did, and then I realized, wow, he's even nicer in person. And I think since that first ISTE, it was in San Diego, he and I just became great friends. And right before this chat, I was actually on a Google Hangout with him. Um, and he and I, I consider him one of my best friends now. We talk all the time. And I think those strong relationships that you build with people, they really transcend, um, and, and they're made at ISTE. That's awesome. So what are we expecting uh, this year? It sounds like you have a couple of presentations that you're doing, keynotes, things like that. So, what are you what are you doing? What are you looking forward to? And what's what's on your agenda? Um, I have four, um, five sessions that I'm doing, six sessions that I'm doing. So I have six, um, and they're. There are one of them that they're very different. Um, one of them I'm doing. The first one I'm doing is a, a keynote smackdown on Friday, so that'll be fun. Um, that's just a four-minute presentation that I'm I'm posting. Um, and then I've got a panel discussion that's going to be really good. I'm super excited about that one. And let me just double-check the time. I know it's on Sunday. Um, the panel session that I'm doing is on Genius Hour and best practices. And I'm doing that one with Angela Myers and Don Wetrick, uh, Karen Learman, Syl um, Sylvia and Vicki Davis. So it's going to be a great group of people just talking about Genius Hour and how it's worked in our different environments. And then also on Sunday, I have um, a session with Kyle Pace, who's the Google genius, um, on Google Hangouts and how to spark creativity and student collaboration. So that one's going to be more of an interactive lecture. And then on Monday, I have um, two sessions. One is going to be, my, it's my first time doing a poster session, so I'm really excited about this. The poster session will be hosted for two hours, and it's all on augmented reality and how to design a brain-friendly classroom environment. Um, so it's really taking the um, physical space of your classroom and making it a 4D environment. So that it, really anything can come to life, whether it's your bulletin board, the anchor chart on the wall, so we'll be bringing um, actual classroom examples from that. 
and sharing at the poster session, and that's 10.30 um, on Monday. And then um, on Monday, I'm very excited about, um, this will be my third year doing Ignite. Um, ISTE first started doing Ignite sessions three years ago, and I was nervous when I received the email that you could um, apply to do one. So like I always tell my students, if you're nervous about it, get your feet wet and jump right in and run fast towards it. So that's exactly what I did. I immediately, before I could convince myself not to apply, I applied and I didn't really think I would get accepted. And then I got the acceptance email and was like, oh my gosh, this is real, I'm doing it. So it was a real adrenaline rush, but most importantly, I think what I got out of doing the first Ignite session was um, just all of the different presenters that were in the session with me. I learned so much from the room and five minutes from just a variety of different presenters all speaking about what they're passionate about, about what, what's working for their students, and getting to hear that um, so many different presentations within one hour made such an impact on me. So the second year I applied to do another Ignite, um, and I did one last year, and then this year I'm doing one again. And this year mine is going to be on student voice and creativity. So I'm, I'm something I'm very passionate about, so I'm excited about doing that. And then um, on Tuesday, my final session is going to be uh, with Adam Bello and Kyle Pace and Michelle Baldwin. And this is a session that we did last year called the Tomorrow Toolkit. So we're doing the Tomorrow Toolkit again this year, but different tools. So um, last year we each took one tool so that you're not overwhelmed. It's not 80 tools in one hour. It was, you know, we each really dug deep into one tool that was working well for us and our own experiences, and we shared practical examples and then how to use it. Um, so we'll be doing that same format of a session again this year, and it's also an interactive lecture. And that one's um, on really how to support student creation. So my piece for that is going to be on augmented reality as well. Um, but then Kyle, Michelle, and Adam will each take a different tool to share that will, of course, be different than augmented reality. So that'll be a lot of fun in that session. Wow. So that's going to be your conference, just uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, that's just that. Lot. I mean, are you are you not doing anything else? <laughs> I oh, am on Friday, so I'm excited. I've never done that before. Both ISTEs that I've been to, I haven't done that, so I'm excited to do um, hack education. So that'll be fun too. Um, and then there's some awesome evening um, sessions or social events going on. But, you know, there's also tons of sessions when I'm not presenting that I'm excited about. Sylvia posted about some great maker sessions that I'm really looking forward to attending um, some of those. And I have tweeted those out. Plus, they're on the Pinterest board. I tweeted out a link to that um, for some recommended sessions that I'll be trying to make it to as well. That's awesome. great. So you're going to be, you know, presenting, but you're also going to be learning. Um, and I th it sounds like that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, so uh, Joe Sanfilippo uh, yeah. over in Wisconsin asks, um, will any of these sessions be streamed or archived? Um, I believe three of them will. I can't remember which ones I did sign video releases for. I'm pretty sure it was the, um, the Tomorrow Toolkit that I'm doing with Adam and Michelle and Kyle. Um, and then I know that for sure the Ignite will be. Um, and my Ignite is going to be Monday um, from 4 to 5. So I know that that one will be. Um, and I, Todd Nazzaloni is doing that one. Um, Jennifer Bond is doing that one. So um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if Nick Provenzano is in that one or not. Um, but there's, it's got a really, really good group um, for that Ignite session. And let's see. I think the Genius Hour one might be as well, that panel session. 
So you put together a little bit of a, a guide, you know, for ISTE, um, you know, and if we have newbies out there, what, what are some things that you recommend other than attending your sessions because they all seem very, very cool, um, but it, it also, you know, you have different things that you're doing, you know, you're, you're presenting, you're keynoting, you're poster boarding, you know, there's a lot of different things, which I think is really cool and shows your, um, you know, your ability to, know connect in different ways but so say it's your first year and they're going down to Atlanta what what are some things that you would suggest um, I think that really just connecting with people because I, I think um, for me my first year that's what made me definitely want to come back the each year after was really the connections that I made with people I was terrified absolutely terrified to go into the bloggers cafe I mean you look in there and you see people like oh my gosh there's George Kuros like you look in there oh my gosh there's Steven Anderson and these are these huge figureheads in social media and in the blogging world and I think sometimes you forget that they're people too um, and I, I just told myself like go have a beer and then go in there you can do it so no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I think really just connecting with those people. And of course, I had a million questions for people like that. And one of the nicest people ever in the entire universe is Lisa Dabbs. And mm -hmm. she has been really my mentor on Twitter since I started um, with New Teacher Chat. Um, she really just kind of took me under her wing. And when she and I connected, I did a panel session my first year at ISTE. Um, and Lisa put it together, and I was the new teacher representative on that panel. And that panel was with Shannon Miller and Stephen Anderson, um, and Lisa Dabbs, and um, a couple, uh, Patrick Larkin, um, Dean Mance. So there's a couple people on that panel, and I was honored to be a part of it. But when Lisa really made those introductions for me, um, they were powerful. So that's why I think if you just connect with, and for me it was Lisa, if you connect with like one mentor or one person to really just kind of take you along and show you the ropes and, hey, this is a really good session or these are some really wonderful presenters. I mean, if you ever have the chance to see like Leslie Fisher or Steve Dembo or I mean, some of those are just fan Adam Bello. I mean, they're fantastic presenters. So if you ever have the opportunity um, to be in the room and to learn with them, I think that that's really powerful. And I, I would have not have known all of those little things had it not been for Lisa. So I think one of my biggest recommendations is not that I'm an expert by any means, but I mean, heck, come find me. I will take you with me and we will go around to the <laughs> Bloggers Cafe. We'll go to different sessions because um, I'm there to learn and connect. So I think if you just connect with someone and ask them questions and don't be afraid. There's a guy I'm going to have lunch with who I've never met before. His name is Michael. We joined a Voxer group. Um, it's me, him, Michael, who I've not met. Um, I don't even think I've spoken with him on Twitter, actually. And um, Todd Nessaloni, um, Brad Wade, and Drew Minot. We, Todd knows him through some connection, and we all just joined this Voxer group together. And he said, hey, I'm going to bring this guy, Michael, along, and he wants to meet everyone, and we're going to go to lunch. So I think just making those sorts of connections are really great. Just reach out to one person, and you'll it'll really take you far. That's awesome. I, you know, it's 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 um, very refreshing to hear you say that because I think sometimes you're right. You know, um, especially for educators who are you know newly connected or maybe you know second, third, fourth generation you know Twitter uh, folks um, when they look at at you know, people who have a lot of followers and have been on and been connected for a long time, I think they do get 
uh, intimidated. And I think um, I could probably second that and just say that there's a lot of people that I've met at conferences who, you know, may have, you know, you know, a lot of followers or have been the, around for a long time, but they really are just educators just like we are and very accessible and nice and uh, it, that's very refreshing I think so um, you know hopefully uh, folks will take you up on that offer and if they see you there you know say hello um, it looks like you have one fan that's really excited Tom Murray uh, <laughs> over here in Pennsylvania is, says you rock Aaron and is looking forward to seeing you uh, yeah. this weekend very nice. Um, Tom and I actually got to connect uh, two weeks ago, maybe, um, at the Department of Ed, um, Ed Camp, which was a lot of fun. So he and I had met before, and um, we had been kind of friends in the social media world for a while. But again, just getting to connect with people at conferences and that face-to-face -face interaction is huge. And you know, just learning um, from him and all the work that he's doing right now um, has been great. So thanks, Tom. That's cool. So, you're, um, you know, you're at the, you're at ISTE, and you're going to the to the big keynotes. Who are you looking forward to to seeing and hearing and learning from? Um, um, most I'm looking for, and I don't want to screw up the name. Um, and I actually have it written down. These are my paper planning sheets. Uh oh. <laughs> Everyone makes it fun of Behind the scenes, oh. folks. Hi, I'm a paper planner. So close and uh, Jeff, closing keynote. Yeah, he is definitely um the one that the one that I'm looking forward to the most. He and I have been speaking through direct messages on Twitter a bit. Um and I'm really looking forward to hearing him. Uh I first heard um when they announced who the keynotes were going to be, there were a lot of tweets going out about him, and I had not heard of him before, so of course the first thing I do is start researching who he is and um, what has he done before, and of course I go to YouTube, and I want to hear some of the speeches and talks that he's given. So I listened to one that he gave, I believe it was at the um, PTA organization or something, um, and I saw it was like an hour long, or maybe it was 20 minutes, and I, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, 20 minutes is going to be like an hour, I'm not going to sit in front of my computer and listen to this, but I wanted to hear like the first five minutes. So I pushed play, and then I was like, oh my gosh, it's over, and I'm crying, and I'm like, I want to wow. hear more. I watched the entire thing, and I couldn't tell you if it was 20 minutes or an hour, but it felt like five minutes. He was fantastic. He had me in tears. He had me laughing, and um, it was wonderful. So I'm definitely excited to hear him speak. I'm sorry. Say his name again. I I don't want to screw it up, but I think oh. it's Charbonneau. I think it's how you say it. Okay. He's on Twitter. Yep. Um, and I believe he won like National Teacher of the Year or something. I I'm sure it's in his bio on his date. Um, okay. I, I don't try and get caught up in people's awards and acclimates and who they are, or where they're from. I, if I like them, I like them. So, and he's one that um, I definitely thought was fabulous. So I'm excited to hear him in person. And I'm the type of person too. I want to be in the room with the presenter. I know a lot of my friends like to watch them on the screen, to where they can kind of talk and have their laptops out and stuff. But I like to actually be in the room and feel the energy. So um, Eric Scheninger and I did that to hear Dan Pink um, at ASCD in LA. And, there's just something different about getting to hear um, hear somebody in person, I think. So I could watch them being streamed on TV and at home in Michigan. And if I'm going to be in Atlanta, I want to hear them in person. So. And is Adam Bello um, going to be doing another uh, keynote this year? I know he you know, got a lot of attention last year, did a great job with, I think he closed this last year, if I'm not 
Yeah, he should have done a mic drop at the end. He was great. Um, <laughs> he certainly closed ISD. It was wonderful. Um, and I had a flight um, too early that I was not there to see it. And I tried hard to rearrange my flight, and it didn't work. So what I did, um, when my husband picked me up from the airport, we were in the car driving back. And because Adam agreed to let it be streamed and it was on YouTube and stuff, we were watching it, and I was just – the car was silent the entire way. Even my kids were listening. So that's, that's how that's my awesome. kids were young at the time. So, yes, um, Adam is not going to be doing a keynote this year, but he will be presenting. So go in the program guide and search Adam Bello. Um, anything he's doing will be for sure worth your while, absolutely. Um, he's doing the Tomorrow Toolkit with uh, Kyle, Michelle, and myself. Um, and that's going to be on Tuesday morning uh, or Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon. So, so. That'll be fun too. That's awesome. That's awesome. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master's schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. Do you want to save time on prep work, increase student achievement for all of your students, reliably meet tier one standards? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com B to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve these goals. That's IXL.com B-E.